But before we get there, I want us to turn over to Matthew chapter 7. I hope you brought your Bibles, because you're going to need it tonight. We do have it on the screen, though. I went ahead and took care of that, too. Matthew chapter 7. Me and Mr. Nick were in the back having great conversations before service tonight. And I was telling him what I was going to be ministering on. He was in, we were kind of preaching to each other. And it was pretty awesome. But what the Lord laid on my heart for tonight is how to make it through the storms of life. And we're going to be looking at a couple different accounts and a couple different things. But one of the first things we have to realize is we live in a fallen world, correct? Sin entered into the world in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had fallen from dominion. They had fallen from their place of authority because they handed it over to Satan. So now we have this sin nature in all of us. And so when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, what do I have to do to become part of your kingdom? He said, you must be born again. And so we now get adopted as sons and daughters into Christ. And so we don't have to live according to the sin nature any longer. But we live in a world that does. And so we now get to face storms, tests, trials. But see, there's a different way, and I love what Pastor Mark's been ministering for the last, I mean, almost month and a half. We were talking about not only winning within, but cheese and giants. Those are two sermon series that if you miss any of it, you need to get online and get fully caught up because they were powerful. But you have to understand that with your purpose comes an enemy. There is going to be this all-out attack on you. I know that doesn't sound very encouraging tonight, but I promise you this will be a very encouraging message because you have to understand one thing. You are not alone. That's the biggest thing is that we want to constantly be going, well, nobody's ever gone through this before. I'm the only one dealing with these thoughts. I'm the only one that's having to deal with this situation. I can tell you right now, you're not the only one. There are so many more that are going through the same storm you are. But here's the problem is we don't ever want to talk about the storm because like Pastor Marks mentioned so many times, we want to show everyone our highlight reel. We want to show them, hey, look at all this stuff. He was talking about Camden coming into service. And he said, man, sometimes Camden comes walking into service and he's crying. And those aren't tears of joy. I'm thinking there's been some services where we are like, you better straighten up right now or we are not walking in the door. Because we all have a real life. We go through real challenges. We go through real situations. But God didn't design us to go it alone. And so in Matthew chapter 7, we see here the account of the houses built on two foundations. So Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, it says, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And watch this. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And so in verse 24, it has our key parts there. It says, anyone or everyone. You're an everyone. You have to understand that. That includes you. And it says, everyone who hears these words of mine. And I don't know about you, but in my Bible, mine is a big capital M. 
He's talking about Jesus. This is God's word. He says, anyone who hears the words that I'm saying, and then part number two of this is it says, and acts on them. Because it does you no good to hear something. Oops, I'll fix that later. To hear something and then never act on it. I work on cars Monday through Saturday pretty much. And there's all sorts of things that I can tell you you can do to your car to help it run better. You can hear all day long about how you need to rotate your tires, how you need to change your oil. But let, but if you don't act on that, you're going to be in a bind. You're going to be in a situation where you're going to be sitting there going, I don't know what happened to it. It just, it just stopped working. Well, did you act on the proper maintenance that they told you to do? And see, we run into this situation all the time as believers is we hear exactly what needs to happen, what we need to do. But the first thing we have to realize inside of ourselves is you have to identify what needs to change. You can't change if you don't know. So many times we get people that say, well, you just need to do this more. You need to be in God's word more. You need to first find out what you need to change and what you need to tweak within you and then go to the word and find the answer. And so he says here in verse 25, he says, And the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then verse 26 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell. See, you have to understand, the storm came to both houses. It didn't just come to the one on the sand, the one that wasn't listening, wasn't doing. It came to both of them. And so it says the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the storms of life. And the first thing we have to understand is that we all go through them. It's just part of life. But here's what Pastor Mark's been really preparing us for. It's your perspective of the storm that will change the outcome. Because if you go into the storm thinking, this is it, this is my entire thing. I have this wrote on the very back of my notes here, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Too many times the devil wants us to think of a stormy season as the ending of the book. Too many times believers and people in general, they make permanent decisions on temporary situations they go this is it this is all i'm going to be in because when they're in the middle of the storm it's hard for them to see that final destination the goal of where they're headed towards and they sit there and they're like man this is just it i've been in this for so long now i mean this is just how life is going to be but you have to understand that is the work of the enemy because God already has the way out. He has the way of escape. He says, no, you're just going to go through this. Even in Psalms, it talks about how they, lo, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's walking through. He's not living in the shadow of death. It's just a temporary situation he's walking through. And so we go on, and I want to look at one more verse. This is, this is good. Proverbs chapter 10. And then we're going to get into our main text tonight. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 25. 
And we're going to read this in the NIV version. You got that one, Jimmy? Sweet. Okay. It says, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Because you have to understand, when God is with you, when you are acting on his word, storms are going to come. But when you are connected to that source, it changes the outcome. The wicked will be swept away. Those who don't apply the word that they've heard or they don't act on those words that they hear, it's like a house built on sand. It's going to be a great fall. But those who are firmly founded on the word of God that hear God's voice and they say, no, I'm not moving. This is where I stand. This is where I live. This is my house. When they have that position, then the storms can come. And they're going to beat against the house. They're going to knock you down. But it's when you can stand back up and say, is that all you got? Let's do this again. I'm not moving. I'm I'm not changing my situation based on this temporary season. And you have to get that in a mindset that it's only temporary. I mean, even life, when Solomon was talking, and whenever we're in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and he talks about how, look at the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are, and how, but they are just temporary. They're just a season. They're going to grow, and then they're going to die. I mean, we're now in South Georgia hot summer. Here we are, and it's only June. We still got July and August, and going to be great. But the biggest thing is it's only a season. It's going to change. It's going to become a new season in no time. But I think it's hilarious because you get all those people and, oh, we love this weather and this is, I'm so ready for hot weather. Well, I remember also the time whenever you were saying, I'm so ready for winter. And then you get in winter and you're going, oh my gosh, it's so cold. I'm so ready for hot weather again. It's seasons. Seasons come and seasons go, but you got to make sure you're founded on the word. Amen. All right. So we are going over to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at my buddy Paul. So give you a little backstory. We're pretty much reading the whole chapter of 27. So I'm going to give you a lot of paraphrases, and we're going to pull out some key verses here. But this is Paul as a prisoner right now. And so Paul in in chapter 26 goes to King Agrippa, and he's going and he's pleading before him, and he's talking about how I want to go see Caesar. I need to go to Rome. And so King Agrippa gets him in here, and then in verse number 20. Let's go with 22, 22 verse, or chapter 26. Jimmy, you don't have that one. Sorry, buddy. But it says, so having obtained help from God, he said, I stand on this day testifying both small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. It says that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said it with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. He said, with your great learning, it's driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. 
He said, but I utter words of sober truth. And so he is defending Christ. Paul, the whole situation is because of what he's talking about with God. So he's entering into this new season. They're telling him he's crazy. But then he goes on and says, for the king knows about these matters. And I speak to him also with this confidence since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. And I love this next part, verse 27. It says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He said, I know you do. Agrippa replied and he said to Paul, he said, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. Because Paul is now speaking on behalf of Christ But he's laying out such a firm persuasion that even he's sitting there going, the more I listen to this, the more I realize you're right. And so King Agrippa then replies to Paul and he tells him that. And and Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Because you have to realize he's a prisoner. He's locked up, but they can't stop his voice. And so it goes on all the way down to verse number 32. And it says, And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So now Paul is set out on this mission. He's on this journey that he is going to see Caesar. And just like me and Mr. Nick were talking beforehand, Not only was he saying, no, 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 I don't want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to Caesar. But now God can use it as a avenue to get him to Rome. So he can go minister to the Romans and it can be this awesome thing. I don't want to get ahead of myself yet. But verse number one of chapter 27, this is where we're going to be at for a while. It says, when it was decided that we would all sail for Italy... They uh, proceeded to deliver Paul and some of the other prisoners to the centurion and those people. And so they start on this journey and they get on a boat and they start headed to Italy. But when we see this, and let's go and let's look at, let's see. Verse number four. Jimmy, you got verse four? I don't think you have verse four. And so they start the journey in verse number four, and it says, And from there we put to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And so this now starts a journey for Paul. The winds are contrary. And then all of a sudden in verse number seven it says, When we had sailed slowly for a good many days with great difficulty, we had arrived at this place. And then it goes on again. And it says in verse number eight, with great difficulty sailing past it, we came to another place. And so they are slowly making their way to where they need to go. Then we jump all the way over to verse number. Let's go to verse number 14. It says, but after a very long, but before very long. This, there was this rushing down from the land, a violent wind called a northeaster. And when the ship had caught in it, it said it could not face the wind, and it gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. 
running under the shelter of this other place. And they start getting more difficulties. They're having problems. But then verse number 20, it says, Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small storm was there. It says, From then on, all hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. You have to understand, this is what the sailors did. They sailed ships. They were constantly on water. They had realized, though, after many days of not knowing where they're headed, where they're going, because you have to understand, whenever they were on the boat, they didn't have GPSs. They were blinded when they didn't have the sun for the guidance or have the stars to navigate and said for many days they couldn't see it. Well, how many times do we get stuck in a storm and we start losing our way? We start looking around at the waves that are crashing against us or the storms and the lightning that's hitting. And all of a sudden we start to become a little confused. Well, should I stay or should I go? I mean, should I should I continue in this path? Should I stay at this job or should I just go ahead and abandon ship now and just go find something else? But see, they didn't they didn't bail out yet. They stayed with it. And it says when they had gone a long time, verse number 21 When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul, because in this whole thing, Paul starts off the whole journey, and I forgot to say this. I forgot to say it, Mr. Nick. He starts off the whole journey. He says, man, I perceive that if we leave right now, we're going to have great loss of cargo. We're going to lose the ship, and we might even lose our lives. And they said, no, we're not listening to you. You're a prisoner. Let's go. And they start the journey anyway. So now, here's Paul, verse 21. When they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail for Crete. And so he's telling them, I told you so. You should have listened. I don't recommend that. Don't do that unless the Lord tells you to stand up in front of a bunch of sailors and tell them, listen, I knew better. But he goes on and he says, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because Paul could have gone to, I told you so, now figure it out. But yet Paul's mission wasn't to degrade the people. Now he's realizing I'm the only way out of this mess. I have something they don't have. So he then goes to this position. You have to realize in the storm, you choose your perspective. All hope is lost. All hope is abandoned. There's no way we're getting out of this. We're all going to die. Or you say, encourage yourself. Because here's why. He said, yet now I urge you, keep up your courage. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me. Because in those storms, you have to understand, God knows where you're at. He knows exactly what step you've just taken. He knows exactly the position you are, and he knows how to get you through the storm. So with Paul, Paul is a prisoner on this ship. He's not making decisions. He's literally in chains in this cargo. But he says, 
But the Lord appeared to me through his angel, and he said this. And it says that, where are we at? 24? 23, 24. Saying, there you go, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. And so I could have gone so many different ways. And we were talking about all the storms that the Bible talks about and how the disciples constantly face storms. I mean, so much storms that they're even shaking Jesus while he's sleeping. He says, what are you doing sleeping? Aren't you, we're going to die. What are you going to do? But here's the thing about them. Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus was physically there. He was the one that stood up and said, peace be still. And the waters calmed down. Paul, on the other hand, is like us. That in the midst of the storm, we don't have to have Jesus physically show up and calm the storm. We just need his word on the matter to get us through it. Whenever Paul had heard from the angel, he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep your courage, men. And here's where faith shows up. Because Paul had already gone through so much stuff. He had already got just this fully convinced faith within him that what God says he's going to do. And so he then speaks it out. And just like Pastor Mark was ministering on is that faith has a voice. You should be speaking out what you want to see. Just remember, not a few in verse number 20, it says, and at that point, from then on, all hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. They were hopeless. They had already decided this is our fate. This is it. But then Paul shows up and he says, therefore, keep your courage, man. I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. So he had gone, taken God's word, and he said, this is it. This is all I need. He said, yeah, we're going to lose the cargo. We're going to lose everything else, but we will not lose our life. And he says in verse 26, he says, but we must run aground on a certain island. Now, a little fun fact for you from Caleb Clay history that verse right there was the most memorable night of Kingdom Institute, our Bible school down in St. Augustine, that I've ever had in my entire life. And so this passage of Scripture here, verse, chapter 27, Paul's shipwreck, Pastor Earl ministered in St. Augustine, did his entire class on this. We had to memorize the whole concept from start to finish of how it, the story went and then had to present it for our test. But he asked this one question. He said, what stands out to you out of the entire passage? So I raised my hand. I said, verse 26. He says, but we must run aground on a certain island. So they're going to wreck, but they're going to end up on an island. We must run aground on a certain island. So I'm thinking, man, that's a great answer. The pastor Earl goes, good answer, but for the sake of this debate, why? Everybody else goes, <gasps> I'm sitting there, I'm going, uh, why, why, uh, uh, and so I start this debate. 
Well, it's because God knew that they weren't going to die in the water. They had a destination to get to. He knew that they were going to end up on a certain island. Didn't know what island that was going to be, but he knew the next part of his journey, there was something to be done there. He said, okay, great. Why? Well, because God's constantly moving us from one destination to the next destination. Even when we're ever in this mix of a storm or we're in this trial or tribulation, there's always a destination that we're getting to. Okay, why? Well, if we go over to chapter 28, we can see that's the island of Malta. I'm not in 28. I'm in 27. Why does it matter in 27? I'm like, I don't know. He said, well, you have to know if you're going to minister to people. Well, the biggest thing about this certain island is when you go to chapter 28, which we're not going to get there tonight. There's a journey that he goes on that he finds so much favor that you can just see that God's moving on his behalf. And we'll get there and we'll talk about a little bit of that. But in verse 26, he said they must run aground on a certain island. And then he says, but when the 14th night had come. They were being driven about in this, the Arabic Sea. About midnight, the sailors began to summarize that they were approaching some land. So they start launching them out. They start trying to figure out where they're at. But verse number 29, it says, Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast out four anchors from the stern and they wished for daybreak. And it says, but as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship, they let down the ship's boat into the sea. And on the pretense of this actions that they were doing, that the anchors are out there, like we're, we're abandoning ship. We're getting out of here. The sailors, the one that this is their job. It was so bad. They were saying we are fleeing for our lives. But here's what happens. Paul says to the centurion, which was the head over all the soldiers. And he says, and he tells the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. So hearing this, the soldiers then take out their knives and they go and they cut the lines of the boat. And they're like, nope, we're all saying. Paul said, this is how we save our lives. This is how we are going to get there. And so they cut the ropes of the ship and they let them go. And it says, and until, until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that we have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taking nothing. Therefore, I encourage you. So Paul is in the midst of this himself. He's in the storm with them. But look at Paul's mindset. His perspective is so different than all the other men. They are so focused on the storm around them, they have forgot the elementary principles. They haven't even eaten because they are so stressed. They are so worried about just life in general that they have abandoned it all. And he said, no, no, no. You got to encourage yourself. You have to stop and eat. Well, us as believers, we get in these storms. We feel like we're all alone. We feel like there's nobody there who can relate or who can encourage us to make it through that even it's hard for us to open up our Bible. It's hard for us to sit there and go and pray. And here's the hardest one that we always face. 
is the moment the music strums, we don't want to lift our hands. We don't want to praise. How can I praise God when I'm going through all of this? No, it's how can you not praise God when you're going through all of that? Your praise is what will bring the breakthrough. Your praise is what gets you through that storm because it keeps your perspective in line with God's word. We're going to make it. Everybody say that with me. Say, we're going to make it. Because that's what Paul is doing for these guys. He's saying, we're going to make it. And so he says, today is the 14th day that you have been on this watch. And he says, therefore, I encourage you, take some food, for this is your preservation. For not a hair on your head of any of you will perish. Having said this, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of all. And he broke it and began to eat. He's having communion with all the guys. You know what? We're in the midst of this storm. We got anchors holding us in place right now. So that way we're not going to bash up against some rocks. So while we're at a standstill, we're going to refocus. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is just slow down a minute. We get so trapped in this storm. We get so wrapped up in the situation that we become so clouded that we can't see clearly. And sometimes we just got to put on the brakes and say, all right, Lord, let me get back to what I know I should do. Get back in the word. Get back surrounding your people with like precious faith. Get somebody who can encourage you through the storm. Not someone who says, well, I mean, God knows what he's doing. You better just, I mean, I'm sorry, you're going to suffer. No, that's not the case. Because storms are designed for one of two things. One of two things storms come to our lives. Number one is to try to defeat us from our purpose. It's trying to defeat us from our purpose. Number two, storms come to our life to help grow you into the person your purpose needs. That's a lot of P's I know there. But you have to grow into the person that your purpose needs. It's there to strengthen you, to grow you. When you're in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like it. But just like when we were talking about lifting weights, lifting weights can either harm you or build you up. You get to choose which one it is. And so now they got these anchors. They are sitting there. They're all eating communion. And it says all of them were encouraged and then themselves took food. And it says, um, moving on, all of us on the ship were 276 persons. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. And when the day came, they could not recognize the land that they did observe. And it says a bay with a beach. So they're seeing land finally, but they don't know where they're at. And so they're heading towards that area. But it says, casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudder and hoisting the foresail at the wind. And so they are now driving. They had just had a break. They got reconnected. They got re-energized. And now they're still in the storm. Don't forget, the storm's still there. But yet, they all have a different attitude about it. They have a different outlook. 
Instead of saying, we're all going to die, all hope is gone, we have nothing left. Now they're saying, we can make it there. You know what? Cut the anchors. Leave them in the sea. We don't need them again. Because we're going to take this boat and we're going to drive it up on that land. And that's where we're going to be. And so now they're in this different mindset. And so they start towards the land. But here's the problem. Verse 41, it says, But striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground, and they weren't able to remove it. It says, The stern began to broke apart, and it says, By the force of the waves, and the soldiers' plan was to kill all the prisoners, so that none of them would swim away and escape. So think about this. You can see land. You're heading towards land. But now the soldiers have already had this whole plan. Well, we're not losing any any of these prisoners because if we lose a prisoner, that's our head. So we're going to kill them all. Wait a minute. We've already made it 14 days through this storm. We've already heard from the man of God that we're all going to make it. Now you're wanting to change the plan. But here's the thing about God's anointed. Is Paul, being a prisoner himself was on that hit list. He was one that they were going to take out because they didn't want the prisoner to escape. But Paul also had favor on his life. And so in verse number 43, it says, But the centurion wanted to bring Paul safely through, and he kept them from their intentions and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest should follow some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they all were brought safely to land. And so through this whole storm and through this whole trial, the one thing that kept them alive was not their perseverance. Because they all gave up. They all lost hope. It's hopeless. The one thing that kept them all alive was a man with a purpose. One of the things Pastor Earl always taught us in St. Augustine, never underestimate the obedience of one man. He said, you never underestimate that because you might be that one person. And when everything else looks contrary to you and everything else is telling you, you don't go, but you feel the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, it's time to step out. It's time to go. And you go, Everyone else is telling me no. But when you step out, he said, never underestimates the obedience of one man because it can change people's lives. Now, I mean, I'm a result of that because Pastor Earl stepped out in St. Augustine and said, you know what? He was my youth pastor. Pastor Earl Glisson was our youth pastor in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And then he felt the call with Pastor Marcy to start Anchor Faith Church. And so they said, we're going to go start a church. They got everything packed up. Me and Chase Glisten, we were, I mean, best buddies all the way through elementary. And so whenever they packed up, they left for St. Augustine. Then one day, my brother shows up. He says, hey, I'm moving to St. Augustine with Pastor Earl. Parents were like, you're just a kid. You're not going. He goes, no. And so literally on his 18th birthday, loaded up his little Jeep Wrangler to, I mean, full as can be. And my dad moved him down to St. Augustine. And so for us, we're thinking, what in the world? 
But see, here's the thing is our family was going through all sorts of craziness. I mean, my mom just had a ruptured brain aneurysm. I mean, there was all sorts of things that were going on, which she lived through by the grace of God. It's complete testimony on God's abundant healing. But the biggest thing is that everything was looking at Josh telling him, don't go. You need to stay here. Why are you leaving your family when they need you? And he said, I have to go. But because of his obedience, in 2009, me and my whole family, literally, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, packed up everything from Oklahoma and moved to St. Augustine. Because his one action in seeing him step out and follow God, even in the midst of all sorts of crazy storms, him saying, I'm going to follow God. Because one man with a purpose can change some things. And then because of those actions, we got down to St. Augustine. And I mean, all sorts of storms hit. For the first 24 days of us moving to St. Augustine, it rained every day. Said it's the most rain they've ever had. I'm like, great. This is supposed to be the sunshine state. And I got rain, almost a whole month of it. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want any more rain. But the biggest thing is that we endured that season. Then we move on. And then I find my wife in St. Augustine. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. And, and so then comes a time, though, where the Lord starts putting on our heart for Valdosta. Seasons didn't look like, hey, it's time to go. We just had a, a, our second child. And so we're looking around, and everybody's like, well, I mean, you're going to take those from their grandparents. All the grandparents are in Florida. And, I mean, you guys are going to move away? Yeah. Because never underestimate the obedience of one person. So, yeah, we're going to follow God, regardless of what it looks like. Because God is so interested in your journey, you have no idea. He is so invested in you, you have no idea. He is literally working on your behalf when you think that he's not even there. And the, be the best thing about going through storms is that we all are going to face them, big or small. They might be financial, they might be physical, they might be spiritual, they might be mental storms. They, it could be any type of storm. But he's always there in the midst of it. And so let's go over to Romans chapter 8. Last two scriptures. Romans chapter 8. Because when we get into these seasons, we can become weak, just like those sailors. We forget some things. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to respond. We, we forget how to worship. I mean, it's the simplest things that will cause us to have the greatest burdens. I mean, me and a gentleman were just talking and said, it, it's the things that we so simply forget that are the keys to our victory. And so in this, Romans chapter 8, Verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For when we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here we go. You ready for this? And we know that God causes all things to work together 
for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, with this being said, will there be trials? Yes. Will there be storms? Yes. But here's our confidence. We know that God will cause those things to work for the good, work together for the good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And then verse 30. And these whom he has predestined, he has also called. And in these whom he has called, he is also justified. And these whom he has justified, he is glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And we have to have that mindset and we have to have that confidence that no matter what we go through, if God is for us, who can be against us? Because the enemy will try to get you on an island by yourself. You're the only one. No one else deals with this. That is a lie straight from the devil. Because you're not the only one. You're not the only one going through those seasons. I mean, it was encouraging for us because I feel like we're kind of transitioning out of a season of some really rough storms. And I was talking to another individual the other day. I said, yeah, last year was probably the roughest storm we have ever been through. And he said, us too. He said, it was the most challenging that we've ever faced together. So they're going, I thought we were the only ones. Oh my gosh, somebody else was going through the same thing. But guess what? We didn't ask the questions. So you better believe we got tight. Hey, I'll encourage you when you're feeling down and you encourage me. You give me the word, though. I don't want feelings. I don't want opinions. You give me the word because that's what will get us through these storms. Then let's go over to our last scripture, Hebrews chapter 6. Man, when I saw this one, I got jacked excited. This is going to tie it all up. We're we're ending here. This is it. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse number... 17. Yep, there we go. All right, you ready for this? In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Is that in the same translation? Yes, it is. Okay, good. You ready for this? This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. We have this anchor that what we are walking through, Jesus has already gone before us. It says that he was tempted and tested, but did not sin. 
So we know that this is an anchor for our soul. It is firm and steadfast that no matter what we face, Jesus has already gone through it. Jesus has already made the way of escape that we just now say, all right, Lord, what's the next step? What do you need me to do? Sometimes it's you stop. You refocus. Get back in his word. Get back your prayer time because that's the one thing the devil wants to steal from us. In these seasons, he wants to take that personal time with God and get rid of it. Because he knows if he can separate you from the source, you are nothing. But when we stop and we say, hold on, I'm going to get back to what I used to do. I'm going to get back to where I used to know. Because sometimes the storms that come are really just a design of our own intentions. We designed the storm. Because we neglected to do what we knew to do. When we say, oh, I'll read the Bible tomorrow. I'll read the Bible the next day. Man, I had the Bible app on your phone. It has this great little ticker. Tells you how many days. Had great streak going of, I've read my Bible on my phone for all these weeks. Then guess what happens? One day. That's all it takes. One day. It even reminded me, hey, let's keep that streak going. Read your Bible today. I got tied up. So I went and grabbed my phone, finally got in bed, couldn't sleep, grabbed my phone out because it was dark. And I was like, all right, I'm going to read my Bible. And I looked and it said 12.03. And it said, your streak has ended. Start today. All it takes is one day, though. It's that little deviation of Uh, You know what? I don't have time to read this morning. I'm going to read tonight. I'm so tired because today was just so draining. I'm just going to, I'm going to read later. Or I don't have time to pray. I'm running late this morning. You always got time to pray. If you're breathing, you got time to pray. I mean, there's been so many times where I've been walking around work and guys go, what'd you say? Talking to God. Because there's always time to spend with him. But it's all about your perspective. You're going to use it for benefit you, or are you just going to say, oh, it's just another missed day? And I believe that we're not going to do that. I believe that through these storms, we're going to be like Paul. We're going to find what God says. you got to identify it, though. you got to look and say, Lord, what, what, is, what do you want me to gain from this? Because they're designed to defeat you or to grow you. And so, I mean, there's another instance just the other week we were talking uh, to an individual and they said, how's your week been? I said, it has been a week filled with growth. And they just started laughing because they knew exactly what I was talking about. So this has been one challenging week that I wish I could just delete out of my calendar and start over again. But you know what? It's been a week of growth. It's been a week of sitting there saying, no, I'm not going to think on that. I'm going to think on what the word says. No, I'm not going to be anxious for anything. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to pray because we all go through it and we all can conquer it and make it to the other side. Amen. 